0: Good day, Mike. Good day. Good day, Sydney. Bear Dinkum. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Turn to Numbers chapter six. Turn to Numbers chapter six. This is your first time in New Philly today. We just want to welcome you. We hope that you are blessed through our service today. Numbers chapter 6. I'm going to read from verse 24 through 26. Read from the ESV. Actually, I'm going to start from verse 22. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. Amen. This is commonly known as the benediction. This is a form and a formula that is known as the benediction. Everybody say benediction. benediction. At the end of our church services, we have this benediction. And personally, I didn't really investigate what the meaning of the benediction was about, what the history of it, what the richness, rich tradition of it is about. I didn't really look into it. And so... I decided to preach on it and discover it at the same time, preach and teach about it and discover for myself what it means, what the meaning of the benediction. So that's what I'm going to preach on today. Uh, I actually found a sermon outline by one of my favorite preachers, late, great Charles Spurgeon. And I also asked uh, Pastor Benjamin, my spiritual father for some of his thoughts on the benediction and he brought some powerful pentecostal uh type revelation and it, it actually really opened my eyes things that spurgeon didn't really pick up and so i'm going to preach to you a mix of these two uh sources and i'm very concerned today because i need to preach at E1, and so i have to preach a short message Typically, I've been going an hour. uh, Over an hour. I said over an hour, didn't I? On Tuesday at Yonsei University, I went an hour and a half. Yesterday at New Recruits, I went an hour and 45 minutes. This is not a good pattern. And I want to say that I've been making my efforts. But I need more of your prayer. Because I've been having trouble. Now... Some of the things I'm going to preach here might feel a little bit undigested because it is. So I'm, I'm going to give it to y'all, and I want y'all to kind of process it, chew on it, and spit it back to me. If you see some insight and revelation that I missed, or as I go off on little tangents or little side points, if, the, if it speaks to you, what did you do to your hair, Jesus? <laughs> I'm sorry about that I'm sorry about that our sister Chisu here has decided to dye her hair bright yellow you look good you look good you look good it's just a little bit startling. <clears throat> Anyway, let me begin. (laughs) At the end of many church services, the pastor will give what is called a benediction. And this tradition is rooted in the Old Testament. The benediction was an essential element of Israel's corporate worship. It started in Numbers chapter 6, the passage we just read. With God commanding Aaron and his sons, these are the priests, to release God's blessing upon his people... And with God giving them an exact specific uh, formula for that benediction. And this is called the priestly benediction or the Aaronic blessing. Aaronic, double A-R-O-N. Aaronic blessing. All right. If you read Leviticus chapter 9, it actually describes Aaron giving a benediction. And it, it describes how he lifts up his hands toward the people. After presenting animal sacrifices. Now, I'm not sure if he washed his hands or not. So he lifted up some hands. They might have been a little bloody. Because he just killed a bunch of animals. Then it says in Leviticus 9. That Aaron and Moses went into the tent of meeting. They encounter God. And then when they come out. They bless the people again. But the scripture says. That when they bless the people again. The glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And then fire came down consumed all the animal sacrifices and then when the people saw it they shouted and then fell on their faces that's a powerful benediction right there that's powerful it'd be awesome if our benedictions if our services ended like that right all of a sudden fire falls and people just getting you know we don't have any animals anymore but we have people In the the Old Testament, God liked to put the fire on these animal sacrifices. Today, God puts the fire on living sacrifices. And sometimes when the fire of the Holy Spirit comes upon people who are living, because animals, they're dead. Dead animal sacrifices can't move when they're on fire. But when living sacrifices catch on fire, oh, they shake, they move, they run, they cry, they laugh. All kinds of supernatural signs and wonders sometimes break out. The tradition continued into the Jewish synagogue, and then the apostles continued the practice in the church. In fact, most New Testament letters close with benedictions. So I want to take a moment and look at the ironic blessing, the pre benediction that we read here. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, which is the same word for face. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. One thing I want to point out here that Charles Spurgeon pointed out is that the word Jehovah or Yahweh. In fact, if you don't, if you're a little confused about how to pronounce it, it's because nobody knows exactly how to pronounce it. The Jewish tradition was not to say the name of God. In fact, they used to say Adonai, which means Lord in its place whenever they see the word Yahweh. Now, this word Yahweh or Jehovah, it appears three times here in the Aaronic Blessing. And in our English Bibles, it is often translated L-O-R-D with small caps. You guys see that there? Is that in the ESV, you should do that too, right? And what's interesting here that you will not pick up in your English Bible is that in the original Hebrew, each time the word is mentioned here, there's a different accent so it's a different accent each of the three times that the word Yahweh is mentioned perhaps it carried a specific meaning to the Old Testament priests but a lot of Christian scholars believe that this is a revelation of the Trinity the benediction was a foreshadowing of the fullness of God of who God is in the revelation of the Trinity that was to come at the coming of Christ So one way you could see it is the Father bless you and keep you. The Son make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. And the Holy Spirit lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. I want to break down the kind of the different fragments here. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. This is a powerful statement. You know, we can bless God. In fact, when we bless God, we attribute honor and good words to him. Psalm 103 verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let everything within me bless his holy name. Some Bible translations replace the word bless with the word praise. And so in the NIV, you will see praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. But there's a Hebrew word for praise the Lord. What is that? All right. The main one is hallelujah, right? Everybody knows hallelujah, right? That's the most literal translation is praise the Lord. But Psalm 103 where it says bless the Lord O my soul, it actually reads Barakhi Nefesh et Adonai. Baruch Adonai, which means essentially bless the Lord. You know where President of the United States got his name? It's Barak, which is the Hebrew for bless. I don't know what it's... What his father was thinking when he named them, But that's essentially what Psalm 103 says. Bar- bar- Baruch Adonai. Bless the Lord. Now we can bless the Lord with all our hearts. But it is totally different when God blesses us. The Lord blesses you. To bless means to fill you with benefits. Either as an end in itself. Or to make the object a source of further blessing. And so for us in the church, God the Father has blessed us in abundance. Amen? I mean, God has blessed us. He's blessed us with creation. And He has also blessed us with our new creation. God has blessed us with life. And He also blesses us with new life. Abundant life. He blesses us with physical food every day. But he also nourishes us with spiritual food contained in his word. He blesses us. He's blessed us so that we are clothed each day. But how he has also blessed us by clothing us with robes of righteousness. What a blessing it is if you grew up in a happy and loving family. But well, what an incredibly greater blessing to be adopted into the family of God. A family of all races, multi-ethnic, multi-color, multi-language, multi-everything. What a blessing it is to have our sins forgiven. Amen? Amen. To have the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. And to have the Holy Spirit sanctifying us through and through. Even when we're not even paying attention to that process. God is continually sanctifying us. And you could just sit through New Philly services for an entire year and not participate a single time. And I promise you you will still be sanctified. You don't even have to lift your finger, you just you just sit there and just with your mouth wide open. <laughs> And listen, and you don't even have to praise the Lord. You can just sit there through the praise. I guarantee you're going to be sanctified. Because this is a powerful house right here. You can't just attend here and not be changed. Amen. Amen. Now, when the benediction is given, the Lord bless you. We ought to say in our hearts, the Lord has blessed me indeed. So many times when we we hear the benediction, the Lord bless you. "Oh, Oh, yeah, Lord, bless me. But we need to recognize that we are already abundantly blessed. You see, doing this will keep us full of expectation and faith that God will continue to bless us. Some of you might be saying in your hearts, well, here's the thing. I don't feel blessed. I'm not blessed. I'm facing so many trials right now. I got all this pain. I suffered a terrible loss and I'm in mourning. I'm facing discrimination at work because of my faith. I don't feel blessed. Well, I would encourage you to read the Bible. Don't let the devil deceive you because Jesus himself said on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. If you're going through some stuff, don't be deceived. You are blessed. If you're going through stuff for the sake of righteousness, for the the cause of the gospel, the Bible says rejoice and be glad. You are surely blessed. The Lord bless you. Yes, Lord. I am blessed indeed. Don't let the devil steal your joy when the Lord has actually blessed you. Because he's working all things out for your good. There's an old saying that Charles Spurgeon quoted. This will set my heart at rest. What my God appoints is best. God knows the plans that he has for you. Plans to prosper you not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future he's got good plans for you and no matter what you're going through you may even face some future trouble next year a momentary affliction but I'm telling you right now just as it says in scripture in 2nd Corinthians four seventeen, all the momentary affliction is preparing for you an eternal glory that far outweighs them all You are blessed. Whether you're going through good times or affliction, you are blessed. And speaking of uh, affliction and trouble, the benediction reads, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord keep you. What does that mean? See, although we may face various trials, James exhorts us, consider pure joy when you face various trials. Because you know that those trials develop perseverance in your faith. And perseverance works toward our maturity and our completion. You know, if you pray for Lord, mature me. I'm so immature. I'm so, I'm so immature. Lord, I want to be perfect. I want to be complete. I want to reflect the love of Christ. I want to reflect the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, make me more mature. Well, if you are really sincere about that, about that prayer, there are going to be some stuff you have to go through to come out more mature. But the Bible says consider pure joy when you go through those things. Why? Because not only is it maturing you, but God's word promises that he will keep you through it. Isaiah 43, verse 2, a beautiful verse. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. That is the keeping promise of God. That if you will trust in him, that you will not be burned. Psalm 91. There, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. The Lord keep you. The Bible says you shall come out of the wilderness, leaning on your beloved. You know, there's a lot of people coming out of the wilderness and they're just pushing away, you know, their beloved. They're pushing away Jesus. They don't want nothing to do with Jesus. They're like, Jesus, where are you? Jesus is right next to them. They can't see anything. Because they've just have been so focused upon their trial and their affliction. And, and the bitterness has kind of taken root. The Bible says, no. Consider it pure joy. You are blessed. And even as you go through it, God will keep you through it. Don't worry. You will come out of, your, of the wilderness leaning on your be, beloved. The Lord will also keep you. He will keep you not only through the trials and afflictions you go through for righteousness sake, but he will also keep you from stumbling into foolishness. He'll keep you from stumbling into all kinds of sin and temptation. As it says in the book of Jude, Jude, the Lord will keep you so that you you can appear before him on that day, faultless and with great joy. You know, people who live sinful lives are not going to be able to appear before Jesus, faultless and with great joy. There's going to be just a lot of shame. Just a lot of regret. Don't live your life where you have to appear before Jesus with your head down in shame. With your heart full of regrets. No, trust in the keeping power of God. Continue to abide in him. He will abide in you. He will keep you from falling. He will keep you from stumbling. So that you can appear before him faultless and with great joy. The Lord bless you. And keep you. Now the next line says. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And be gracious to you. Now what does it mean. To make his face. Shine upon you. What does that mean? Let me ask you because Have you ever had strife with somebody? If you're married. Have you ever gotten into a fight with your spouse? Oh I I never get into fights with my spouse. You liar. Of course you do. Or have you gotten into some strife with a family member, sibling, cousin, maybe a best friend, coworker? You get into a little bit of strife or you wrong them or they wrong you. The last thing that they will allow you to do or you will allow them to do is see your face. In fact, back in the days, in the late 90s, it used to be popular to say, talk to the hand. Why? <laughs> I, I, you ain't seen my face, not after what you've done. I can't believe Make Talk to the hand. <laughs> what does it mean to make your face shine upon a person? That means that you and that person, you guys are on good terms. There's love, there's peace between you. Uh, F.F. Bruce says it like this, just as the light of the sun brings blessing to men naturally, so the light of God's face brings grace and favor spiritually. To have the face of God shine upon you is like a flower just taking in the natural sun. You know, you ever look at a flower? You ever You ever get into botany a little bit? I got into a little bit of botany. I won first place in my high school freshman year. I won first place in botany at my high school. Don't mean to brag. I just thought I'd mention it. But if you, ever, if you ever play with plants, what you will notice is a lot of plants need the sun. And if you place a plant a certain way, away facing away from the sun, when you come back late at night, you will notice that the plant has completely turned around and facing that sun. Why? Because that sun gives that plant nutrients. It, it allows the um, chlorophyll and the... Uh, All that good stuff to be released. And the plants are able to continue to reproduce and grow. When you don't have the face of God shining upon you, it's going to be hard for you to grow. You can take in all the nutrients, all the words, all the teachings. But you don't feel like his favor, his grace is shining on you. You're just going to feel like, man, none of this stuff is working for me. You know, sometimes we take ourselves away from the, the, the face of God shining upon us through our own decisions. Through our own sin, we take ourselves away from the, the, the light of God's rays. But the Lord doesn't want us to walk in that. He wants us to walk in his grace, in his favor, in his blessing. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. You know, essentially, if we're talking about this as a triune f- formula, then this is talking about the ministry of Jesus. The Lord Jesus make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. What does that, look, what, what's that mean? That means this is a picture of our reconciliation with God and the blessing that we have because of the Son. It is through the cross that the Lord makes His face shine upon us. You know, as sinners... The Bible says we are objects of God's wrath and we are destined to hear, depart from me, depart from me, you who are cursed. That's what we're destined to hear. But because of Christ, we can now expect, come, you who are blessed. You will not hear, depart, you who are cursed, but because of Jesus, you will now hear, come, you who are blessed. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. What good news. That in Christ, we can look up toward heaven and not feel any fear. If you don't know Jesus here today, you should feel fear in your heart. Because the wrath of God remains on your sin. But for all those who will identify with Jesus and trust in his name, in his death and resurrection, the Bible says there is now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. You know some Christians. They think God's angry with them. You know, they, they're doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. I don't know. They're drinking too much. They're smoking weed. I don't know. Like uh, Some Christians they do stuff they shouldn't be doing. And so they, they think that God is always angry with them. And because they think God is always angry with them. It prevents them from coming to church. Why do they want to come to a place. Where they're going to feel the anger of God right. They think of God as this. Big man upstairs with a big stick, you know you come you come into my house you going to get the men men right I mean, who wants to get a spanking right I mean my mom whenever she said, you know go get the men men man I was like i would take i 'll take my time i didn 't like rush up here you go mom like but if you have your your image of God being this guy who's angry with you all the time, is actually going to prevent you from going to the very place that's going to help you get set free from those sin patterns. What I want to preach to you is the truth. If you're in Christ, there is no condemnation. Legal, legally, God has no single thought of malice or anger or displeasure in his heart toward anyone who is in Christ Jesus. The only reason you may feel a sense of condemnation it's because your faith is not focused on the word of God or your faith is too weak to believe the word of God. Now, I got to mention, though, if you've sinned a big way or you're living in sin, legally, there's no condemnation, but you may feel the anger of God at you. Why? Because you, the anger of God is on you. <laughs> it's not the punitive, punishing anger But it's this experiential anger, this broken fellowship that you have with the father. You are living in sin. You are going to stir up the anger of God towards you. But here's the good news even about this. If you repent and turn from those ways, even that anger is just temporary. The Bible says in Psalm verse 30, chapter 30, verse 5. His anger lasts only for a moment. But his favor lasts a lifetime. Come on. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But some people think, surely the, the anger of God is going to follow me. And I'm going prov- to avoid the house of the Lord forever. <laughs> no, 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 no. God simply wants you to come. Be honest about your failures. Repent and turn from your sin. Why would you live in such a way? That rebels live. People who are living in rebellion against God live. Why would you live like a rebel when Jesus has died on the cross to put you at peace with God? He has subdued your rebellion and he has called you his child. Why would you continue to live in sin like a rebel? That's just deception. You're not walking in the truth when you live like that. The third aspect of this benediction says the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Everybody say peace. Peace. You know, I think I mentioned in my previous sermons that I, I learned in my Christian counseling class that the root of almost every mental illness or every mental disease is anxiety. That's what our textbook said. I was surprised to find that. I thought it would be something different, you know, like, you know, but it's just anxiety. Anxiety is the root of all kinds of mental illnesses. You see, God doesn't want his people living with anxiety. He wants his people filled with his peace. The Lord desires for you to experience his favor and peace. That is for you. But, like I mentioned earlier, you do have a choice to make. Even though you are a child of God, you do have a choice to make. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. And the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way that I'm commanding you today, to go after other gods you have not known. God wants you to live under his blessing. He wants you to live with his peace and grace. But whenever you turn aside from the commands of God, you are forfeiting that blessing and that peace. You are you are actively pushing it away. You know, in the Old Testament in the law God forbid any kind of occultism. Now, if you guys know what what occultism is, occultism is witchcraft, sorcery, divination. Today's equivalents would be tarot cards, tarot card readers, palm readers, tea leaf readers. I don't know. They got all kinds of readers of everything. You go to Gangnam, you'll see Saju cafes, and uh, if you go to like mudangs, which are Korean shamanistic priests, to do certain kinds of rituals, even if you call on them to get help for an exorcism, all of these powers are not powers that are derived from God. They are derived from another source. And the Bible clearly forbids occultic sins. Occultic sins, to put it simply, Is any kind of sin in which we derive power or knowledge from a source other than God. When am I going to get married? I got this cute boyfriend that I've been seeing for the last four months. So many Koreans, they go to these tarot card readers and they ask about the relationship. What should I do? It used to be a common traditional practice for Korean parents to go to mudangs to name their child. God clearly forbids these types of occultic sins. Let me just uh, throw it out there and and, uh, you guys can deal with it. Let me just throw it out there. In Korea, it's very common to have honey ones. These are Eastern uh, traditional spiritualistic medicine that's practiced. So if you go to a honey one, in fact, across the street from where I live... There's a honey one called, uh, this is like uh, uh, Chinese medicine, like Eastern medicine. There's a honey one called Rafa, honey one, Rapa, honey one. You know what Rapa means in the Hebrew, right? It means healer. The Bible says God is Jehovah Rapa, Rafa. The Lord, our healer. But it is such a common practice here in Korea. And this is a demonic spirit that I believe I'm attacking right now. And I get, I get met with horrible resistance every time I preach this. So I don't look forward to mentioning these things. But you know what? I, I, I need to preach the word of God. Because in the Korean church, there's too much mixture going on. In fact, they parade these practices and these helps under the name of God. Rapa One, As if when people go there, they're going to experience the healing of God. No, you go to these places and immediately a lot of times they will take your pulse. They will read your pulse and then they will tell you and diagnose your symptoms. And you'd be like, wow, how'd you do that? That was cool. Right? When I was a child, I didn't know this. I didn't know this stuff. So my, my family took me to a honey one, and it was like it he was like he was like a OG practitioner from China. He was like, OG. <laughs> like, he, was like, oh, gee. he didn't speak a lick of english you and he took my pulse and he said all this stuff in chinese and then his son translated and said you have something wrong with your stomach you've been vomiting and you've been nauseous and i was like yeah that's awesome how do they do that you know and a lot of koreans will tell you well you know it's the way the uh, pulse beats you know that means something wrong with your stomach okay you, I don't know why people believe those theories, but you talk, you talk to any medical doctor, they will tell you the pulse beats at a regular rhythm. And that's why we take people's pulses. It beats at a regular rhythm. It reflects the beating of your heart. That's it. That's it. It doesn't reflect the beating of your stomach or what's wrong with your stomach. And what, pe- what Korean people don't realize is pulse reading happens in black witchcraft. It happens in the witchcraft practitioners in Africa. You go to a witch doctor in Africa, they'll also read your pulse. You go to, uh, when I was in Kazakhstan, there was a white witchcraft doctor where her two grandson and granddaughter, they received Christ. And she just started getting angry toward our missions team. And then the son was so scared, he came up to me and said, I'm supposed to inherit her powers next. That's just the pattern in our family. I'm the one, I'm next of kin to receive these powers. What do I do? Is this from God or not? She says it's from God. And so I'd opened up the scriptures and showed him that this is not from God, that the source of this power is not from God. It's not divine. It's demonic. The devil masquerades as an angel of light. The devil counterfeits every true spiritual gift of God. That's why you have divination, fortune telling, foretelling the future. What is that a counterfeit of? Prophecy. What is uh, all this healing powers that they supposedly had and make people temporarily feel better? That's just a counterfeit of the healing power and the gifts of healing that God dispenses to his children. And what the Israelites failed to see was that what God had forbidden, he meant it. And the Israelites were like, oh, maybe God didn't really mean it. And so they started to mix with the Canaan uh, cultures in the promised land. And they started to mix in with these witchcraft and fortune telling. And eventually they were led astray straight to all kinds of explicit idolatry. But here's the thing. The Bible teaches that occultism is a form of idolatry. Why? Because you are going to and giving money and your time and your attention and your devotion to a source other than God. In fact, these idols are actually demons. The Bible reveals. So when you begin to devote yourself and put $500 and $1,000 toward these honey ones, because they have the power to heal you temporarily, by the way, they only heal you temporarily. Usually the symptoms will stay with you chronically because that makes you dependent upon their services and they get rich off of you. That's just my personal theory. (laughs) But when I was sick, I took all the uh, hanyak, you know, and I'm sure the hanyak has some, you know, like herbal... Qualities to it, but it did not heal my stomach. And then they told me I couldn't eat eggs and kimchi. And that tortured me. My mom made me eat Ritz crackers for like five months. Like no, three months. Man, we lost so much money. We spent like three thousand dollars on that stuff, and we were already so poor. Makes the poor poorer. Anyway. If you want to walk under the blessing of God, you've got to determine in your heart that there will be no mixture in your worship of God. God does not allow any competition. You must cast down every idol, every source of power or knowledge that's other than God. You give him preeminence. You're sick. You pray for healing. You go to God for healing. If you're not getting better, go see a doctor. Because God can also use a doctor to heal you, by the way. But you are not to go after these other spiritual sources. No mixture. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now, you know, the Hebrew word peace here is shalom. Everyone turn to your neighbor and say shalom. You see, in Israel's history, they experienced temporary seasons of shalom. And God's desire was for them to walk in His blessing and shalom at all times. But what happened? They turned toward idolatry. They rose up in rebellion. They, in, in the northern kingdom later on, they mixed the worship of Yahweh with the worship of idols. It became very syncretistic, mixing, mixture. And as a result of that, God brought the promises of Deuteronomy 28, Deuteronomy 11. I set before you blessing and curses. You, co- you obey my commands, you're going to be blessed. But you start to despise me and you disobey You sacrifice your children to the gods. You dabble with witchcraft and idolatry. These are the terrible consequences that will come upon you. And that's exactly what the nation of Israel experienced. They were not able to experience a permanent shalom. So the Lord give you his peace. But it was a temporary peace. A lot of times that they experienced. Now, I want us to move to 2 Corinthians 13. Go to 2 Corinthians 13. What we read at the beginning was the Aaronic blessing, the priestly, Old Testament priestly benediction. What we have here in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 is the apostolic benediction. And it's real simple. Look with me. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14. It's the, end of the, it's the end of the entire book. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. In fact, the tradition of the Jews was to say amen after a benediction. Amen meaning, let it be so. You know, you can be like, yeah, yeah, Lord bless me, all right. Oh, it'll happen if it happens. Or you can say, no, let it be so. Yeah, I received that. Amen. You know, and so we got to get into a practice of saying amen after my benediction. You know what I mean? A lot of times I'm just like, all right, enjoy your afternoon. (laughs) And and people don't take that moment to receive that benediction, to receive that blessing. Ah, amen. You know, people don't do that. We need to take a moment to do that, right? We have here the Apostle Paul. He gives us a different kind of benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. One thing you should notice right away is, Jesus is mentioned first. Now, that doesn't make any sense. The father, functionally, the son submits to the father. You see that in the Gospels. The father is oftentimes listed first, then the son, then the Holy Spirit. So why is the Apostle Paul going out of the way to mention Jesus first? You know why? Because Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You want to experience the love of God the Father. You got to first go through Jesus. You got to receive the grace of Jesus Christ. You got to receive the sacrifice of the cross. The resurrection. And begin to submit your life to him. As his disciple. The reason why... Jesus is mentioned first here is because it's only through Jesus that we can experience what's next. The love of God. The love of our father. The love of our father. You know, if God is our father, what does that make us? His children, his sons, his daughters. You see, our identity to God is, is uh, experienced. Where am I going with this? All right, I'm, I'm going to abandon that. I'm sorry. <laughs> because God is our father, we are now his sons. But in order to experience that sonship, the Bible continually says that we are sons through faith in Christ Jesus. What all of the universalists and postmodern type people of today try to say is, all the religions point to God. They're essentially from similar sources. All the religions point to the love of God. And this very benediction will tell you no, there's only one way to the Father, and that's through the grace of Jesus. And what's really cool here that Spurgeon unpacks is he says that the Old Testament priestly benediction is veiled, it's veiled. The only hint of a trinity we see is a little accent differentiations. And we don't even know what that means. It's supposed to be that way. God has hidden that. He has made it a mystery until the appointed time. And when was that appointed Cairo's time? It was 2,000 years ago when Jesus, his, his birth was about to take place. In fact, what's really interesting is, right at the time of Jesus' birth, you read in the Gospels an interesting story of John the Baptist's father. Anybody know who John the Baptist's father's name is? It's Zechariah. Zechariah at that time was the high priest. The high priest, one of the things he had to do was he had to tie a rope and a bell around his foot And he had to go into the temple, into the Holy of Holies. And he'd have to make certain intercession and sacrifices. So here, Zechariah goes in to the inner courts, into the Holy of Holies. And an angel meets him there. And the angel says, Zechariah, something big is about to go down. I don't know what he said. What is it? I shouldn't make that up. It's in uh, Luke. Luke chapter 1. The angel says, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, your old wife, Elizabeth, she's going to bear you a son. And you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink where he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Zechariah says, how shall I know this? I'm an old man. My wife is old too. Angel said, I am Gabriel. Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news and behold, you will be silent, mute, unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. The angel comes and talks to him about his son that he'll have in his old age, but the son is to prepare the way for the appearing of the Lord. Now, if you guys do your Bible study, you know that uh, this prophecy, turning the hearts of fathers to sons, sons to fathers, that's Malachi chapter 4. At the end of the Old Testament, that's the, those are the last words that God gives. And then there's periods, there's a period of like hundreds of years where God is just silent. There's no miracles, there's no prophecy, nothing. And then, boom! Angel Gabriel tells Zechariah, you're going to have a son, and that son's going to prepare the way for the Lord in the spirit of Elijah. Now, what people don't think about is when Zechariah came out, he couldn't talk. And what Zechariah was supposed to do when he came out was he was supposed to close up the service. He was supposed to give us the benediction. So he comes out. And people are like, what's wrong with you? Give us the benediction, Zechariah. Zechariah's like, hey, stop playing, Zechariah. I want my benediction today the garage was mute, he couldn't talk. And so people went home probably that day, scratching their heads or like, man, it's the first time I went to a service with no benediction at the end. I wonder what that could mean. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. God seemed as it were to give notice to his people. I am about to hush the voice of Aaron because Melchizedek is coming. I'm about to stop the sound of the symbolic because the real priest is coming. I'm about to hush the voice of Zechariah because the son of God is now going to appear and declare the fullest blessing of Jehovah to rest upon his people. It's powerful. Man, Charles Spurgeon, right? That was powerful right there. What a powerful prophetic act it wasn't just zechariah's unbelief that got him mute but god has a design and a plan you see the the fullness of the fulfillment of the old testament benediction was now about to be fulfilled you see every time that benediction was given in the old testament people would say oh yeah the lord bless us keep us yeah the lord bless us but when they get to that that last line, the Lord lift up his countess upon you and give you his shalom. Depending on whatever context that the Jews and the Israelites were experiencing, that was a hard line to receive. The Lord give you his shalom. Well, why is there all this exile? The Lord give you his shalom. Well, why, why is our city being sieged? The Lord give you his shalom. They knew that the shalom was a lot of times it, wasn't, it was just temporary. So whenever that benediction was given, they were looking forward to a day when there will be everlasting peace. And so a lot of them, they believed in this golden age of the Messiah. Where the Messiah would sit on the throne of David and establish this golden age of rule. He will be a political leader. And so they, when Jesus came at his first coming, they thought that's what the Messiah would do. Even his 12 apostles, that's what they thought the Messiah would do. So when when Jesus started talking about, I'm going to go to to the cross and be crucified, they were like, no, that's not the plan. No, you're supposed to establish everlasting peace. Jesus, you are it. You're casting out demons. You're working in signs and wonders and miracles. You got profound teaching with authority. You're the man. You got to do this. And they were all disillusioned when Jesus got crucified. You see, what the early Jews, they failed to see was, It's not that those prophecies, they misinterpreted. They just misapplied it. See, There will come a time where Jesus will rule. And he will establish everlasting peace. But it wasn't at his first coming. That's going to take place at his second coming. And when he comes indeed, he will make his countenance come upon you. And he will give you peace. Now, the awesome thing about this is. As Jesus appears on the scene 2000 years ago. Jesus begins to unpack the fullness of the benediction. He begins to unpack and show his people what the blessing of God is really all about. That in Christ you will begin to experience the fullness of God's blessing. You see, for the Israelites, there was, there's something else that needs to be mentioned here. This is what PV pointed out. was When they heard the benediction, it was not just about nice little blessings and shallow blessings for my food and kids and stuff. When they heard the blessing, they heard the echo of ec- Genesis chapter 12 where God appears to Abraham and says, I will make you of a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So whenever they heard the benediction, they heard echoes of the Abrahamic promise. Yeah, we're going to be blessed. And we're going to be a blessing to all nations. And what Jesus does is, by dying on the cross, And resurrecting, he brings the Abrahamic blessing and releases it to the entire nations. He releases it to the Gentiles. I'm going to read Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Galatians 3, verse 13 to 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming cursed for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Now check this out. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Koreans. (laughs) May come to the Malaysians with Indian descent. May come (laughs) to the Chinese. To the white people of all different mixes. In Christ Jesus, so that in Christ Jesus, Jesus died on that cross, was cursed on that cross. So that in him, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. What does that mean? That means the church that's being established across every ethnicity and tongue. So that that blessing of Abraham will no longer be contained to just the ethnic group of the Jews. It will begin to now go out to all the Gentiles, wherever faith is found in Christ. And then check this out. This is the last line. Come on, PB, right here. Pentecostal right here. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. What's the Apostle Paul saying here? The outpouring of the spirit, the indwelling and the outpouring of the spirit being given to God's people in the church was the eschatological sign that the promise of Abraham was being fulfilled in its fullness. It's the end time sign. When you get filled with the Spirit, when you, whenever you experience the, the power and filling of the Spirit, that is God saying, You are blessed. The promise of Abraham is on your life, Joe Pang. You are blessed to be a blessing, Matthew Walker. You start shaking on the What does this mean, Lord? What does this mean? It means that Jesus died. My son died on the cross so that you can receive this outpouring of the Spirit. And this outpouring of the Spirit, it shows that the blessing of Abraham is on your life. What Abraham and Isaac and Jacob failed to see in its fulfillment, you shall see in the church fulfilled through Christ. It's powerful. Thank you, Pastor Benjamin. Some people... They don't see themselves as being blessed. They don't see themselves as being a blessing. You know what, what was powerful what Pastor Benjamin said? He said, God not only wants you to have the blessing and, and be blessed. He, he doesn't want you to just have the blessing. He wants you to be the blessing. Like God wants you to be. That's why in, to Abraham, Genesis 12 2, God says, I will bless you so that. You will be a blessing. That means not only are you going to be blessed, but God's going to now put his spirit in you and make you a source of blessing for all nations. That powerful. But a lot of people, they don't see themselves that way. They say, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a blessing, man. I'm just a loser. I'm a burden. I'm an orphan. I feel like a curse wherever I go. it just calamity comes. And this message is saying to you today through the benediction. That's a lie of the devil. If you are in Christ, you are not cursed. You are blessed. And not only are you blessed, say, I am blessed, blessed. but not only are you blessed, you are a blessing because the spirit of God is in you. Say, "I I am a blessing. You have inherited the Abraham, the blessing of Abraham. And in Christ, you are experiencing the fullness of that ironic blessing, that benediction, the Old Testament benediction. You are experiencing the fullness of it. Why? Because you now have the everlasting peace that, that, that was continually pronounced at the benediction. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. You now have peace. Why? Because in Christ, we have peace with God. In fact, it says in Ephesians 2.14 Jesus himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. The Lord give you his peace. Well, you have Jesus. You have peace. You have peace. You're experiencing the fullness of that Old Testament benediction. So whenever that Old Testament benediction is given now, we look back at the cross. But for the Jews, whenever they heard it, they were looking forward to the Messiah. But the fullness and fulfillment is found in Christ. And because you have Christ, you now have the promised Holy Spirit. And therefore, you are not a burden. You are not an orphan. You are not a reject. You're not a loser. And you are certainly not cursed. You are blessed. And you are blessed to be a blessing to all nations. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you for your Son. That in his body you have given us peace with you, you have averted the wrath. That was due for the penalty of our sin. And you have removed the dividing wall of hostility. God, may we never ever again fall into the devil's lies. That we are a burden. That our lives are meant to be a struggle. And be full of just pain. Sadness. No, Lord. Even when we go through seasons of mourning, we know that we are blessed. For blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. No matter what we go through, especially in these end times, as the nations are shaken, and even right now, as the nation of America is being shaken, God, may your people be unshakable as they put their faith in Christ and in your word. Fill with your Holy Spirit. May the glory of God begin to rise upon the people of God, a people that are blessed to be a blessing to all nations, God. This is our inheritance. This is who we are. We are a blessing. I am a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. You are the offspring of Abraham. You are the heirs according to that promise. And Father, we stand on that today with great joy and thanksgiving. May we rise into our destiny. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all rise to our feet. We'll close with a song.